Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football is back, and so is winning season at my bookie. We got our first full weekend of college football, so hey, get in on the action. Use promo code Gators at mybookie.ag to claim your deposit bonus, and for a limited time, get a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere at MyBookie. Gators Breakdown is also proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gators50 and use code GATERS50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC. Finally get a game preview. It is Florida. It is Utah. Thursday night in Salt Lake City, Utah. Porter Larson from ESPN 700 in Salt Lake City joins me right here on Gators Breakdown. He joined me last year, did a great job in previewing those Utah Utes. He's going to do it again on this episode of Gators Breakdown. A couple days before the game, get you all the Utah Utes updates as far as we have on this Tuesday. Uh, get you updated ahead of that game for the Gators. So big-time matchup, big-time matchup. Uh, I'll break down, give my predictions later on in the episode as well. And then before we go, an update from Florida Victorious, uh, Florida's lead NIL entity. They're leading the way in Florida's NIL ventures. We get an update from Nate Barbera, the CEO of Florida Victorious. So make sure you stick around for that as well uh, to get an update there. So plenty, plenty to get to in this episode. Hit that like button. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown on your favorite podcast platform right here on YouTube as well. On YouTube, we're almost to 12,000, so hit subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything. It doesn't do anything there. Just subscribe. Get us up there to 12,000 subscribers on YouTube. It really goes a long way in helping us right here on Gators Breakdown. GatorsBreakdown.com. Nice little previews up. Uh, talk about more about the depth chart right there on GatorsBreakdown.com. Uh, if you missed that episode, also Billy Napier explaining some of the surprises. That's an article up there on GatorsBreakdown.com. So plenty, plenty uh, to get into uh, right there. And then Gators Breakdown Plus, if you want ad-free episodes, you get them right there on Gators Breakdown Plus. Link is in the description. Extra episodes, access to the Discord server, those ad-free episodes. You get a newsletter to GatorsBreakdown.com, Q&A, giveaways, custom shout-outs, all that stuff. Hot and heavy during football season. Gators Breakdown Plus. Link is in the description to join. All right, here we are on Gators Breakdown, joined once again by Porter Larson from ESPN 700 in Salt Lake City, where the Gators, hey, if you're listening on Tuesday night, 
one more day before the Gators get there. A little bit of travel plans, different getting to Dallas first and then to Salt Lake City are the Gators. But Porter, man, thanks for hopping on Gators Breakdown one more time for this matchup. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to uh, glad to be talking some Florida and Utah once again, um, and, and glad to have some some home field advantage this time around. It is a uh, not a friendly environment last time. <laughs> uh, before we move on from that, uh, I know, I believe you know the it was the first trip for many Utah fans, Utah media in that SEC atmosphere last year. Was it? Did it live up to the reputation of you know the 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 SEC reputation of the of the tailgating and the atmosphere, you know, before, during, after the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely did. I, I mean, I've I've been out that way. I actually was in New Orleans for an LSU and and Florida game. Went out to, to Baton Rouge, and so I've experienced that that SEC atmosphere. So I kind of knew uh, what what Utah fans were were going to expect. Tried to to give them an idea, and from all accounts, they were they were blown away by the swamp. Right. I, I mean. Sometimes people give give you grief for for talking about the SEC in in this like aura fashion, right? It's different, or it just means more. Well, sometimes it does, right? Um, I am excited though because I think that uh, Gator fans will be coming to Salt Lake in in kind of the same fashion, and it, it's not ninety five thousand people filling the stadium, but I think you'll get the the same kind of feel that at least in comparison to most of the West Coast. It's a little bit different here too in Salt Lake, and I, I think they'll enjoy the, the the atmosphere and the tailgates and, and everything uh, that, that you get in SEC country. Yeah, shout out to all my friends and stuff who they've been there since the weekend. Porter, they've made a vacation out of it, so they uh, they get to, they're getting to enjoy the mountains for a few days over there uh, awesome. in, in in Utah. So yeah, um, so we a- want to talk about the elevation then. <laughs> Man, that's been so so much of a talking point. Uh, I mean. I guess not necessarily this game particular because we know it, it is how much it affects Florida. We won't really know. We'll see. But has there been talk of maybe past teams who have went, you know, from lower elevations, past teams who have taken that trip to where, you know, it is a sticking point? It, it's it's hard to tell. I mean, these these guys are elite athletes, right? So yeah. it affects their bodies differently than it than it would you or I. And even then, Salt Lake City's only, you know, it's less than 5,000 feet. It's not this high, high elevation where it really starts to affect you. From like a uh, physiological standpoint, that's like 7,500, 8,000, up to 10,000 feet when you really start to feel it. If you go out and go hiking and you go out to, to the, up the canyons, you'll feel it. In Salt Lake City, it's, it's pretty mild. And I think a lot of these elite athletes, um, it's, it's more about just making sure you're hydrated, making sure – uh, you, you're not getting the effects of the the travel combined with the you know yeah. a mild increase in elevation. It usually doesn't affect these guys all that much. Again, they're usually only here for one day, so I think it's more about the way the game plays out, right? If Crazy. if you able if you allow Utah to run the football, and it's honestly going to be the same story with with Florida uh, running the football as well, and you can wear that defense down that's when I think it, it can become an issue, right? For, for guys like Desmond Watson ac- across the front, guys that m- necessarily don't play every snap, that's, that's maybe going to be an effect later on in the game. But ultimately, 
I don't think the elevation is as much an issue as, as how the game plays out because these teams are, are similarly uh, built in the, in the way that they want to run the football, especially if you see Cam Rising not, not yeah. on the field. Right. Uh, that, that's where I've said Could it have an effect? Sure. Would it be the reason Florida would lose to Utah? It would not be. <laughs> so that's the humidity last year. Like it's, yeah. it's a different environment. Every team has it no matter yeah. where they go and in which week they're playing. All right. So I know you're probably tired of talking about it. You brought it up of Cam Rising playing or not. We're sitting here on a Tuesday afternoon as we record this. So uh, we have a couple more days. This is a preview, so we got to talk about it. But latest on it, I know he said, quote, feeling pretty damn good right now. Uh, he's been limited to non-live work. Right. So if he does play, how does that affect him if he does? What's the latest you could gather? And if you had to guess, does he play or does he not play? Well, Dave, I'm going to introduce you to something here. I, I'm sure you guys have seen these game notes, right? <laughs> the, the depth chart that's included in, in here. Um, you guys have something called an injury report. Um, yes. That's a that's an alien word to us in Salt Lake City. Kyle <laughs> Whittingham, bless his soul, treats the injury report and, and the personnel like – Guantanamo, right? It's it's secret information. We can't get any of it. Uh, we got to get like a plane up in the air to see who's practicing, see what guys might be out there. So, listen, they they might not know. That's what they're saying. Uh, right. Obviously, Cam in, in media availability yesterday uh, said that he's feeling really good. It's uh, it's up to the doctors at this point. He is about eight months from surgery on an ACL, so it's it's right on that that cusp where you know. He's feeling good, but it's it's also up to the to the medical staff. And whether or not they've cleared him in the last two or three days is it's clandestine uh, up there as far as the information they're they're allowing to get out there. But if you want to read between the lines, we asked Cam yesterday when that decision might be made, right? And he's and someone someone mentioned like ten minutes before kickoff, and Cam said maybe seven minutes. He wears number seven. I don't know if you want to read in, into that information too much, but listen, he, he's putting off a, a confident, uh, confident demeanor and wants to play. I know he wants to play that interception on the last play of the mm -hmm. game last year is, is deep inside his crop and he wants to, to kind of avenge that. But ultimately, uh, if, if there's any sort of hiccup, right, if there's any sort of when he gets out there and, and starts to, to run through uh, pregame warmups, if there's any sort of uncomfortability, they're not going to test it because there's bigger things and, and, and bigger aspirations for this, this Utah team than one game, even if it's a really exciting non-conference season opener. Um, the, the bigger picture is, is going to be top of mind. And I really do think, as you saw last year, Kyle Whittingham is comfortable going to the next guy last second if he needs to. And I think that's really what we're going to see. You're going to see Cam trot out there in his uniform, and it'll be the maybe first or second time that he's really seen true full-speed football in eight months, right? So uh, it, it's going to be a, a coin toss. And then if he does trot out there and if he's available, how mobile is he? How comfortable is he getting out of the pocket and doing what Cam Rising does really well, right? right. That's the big question because – he can throw the ball. He's really comfortable in the offense. But how effective is he on the ground and in the scramble game where he really, really gives defenses fits? 
is is still a question mark, even if he is uh, under center, snap one. Porter, if it's not him, Bryson Barnes, Nate Johnson look to be the next guys up quickly. Right. What can we expect from those guys if they are on the field? Yeah, two very different players, right? Uh, couldn't be more different as far as their skill sets and, and, and their uh, kind of football MO goes. Bryson Barnes is a, you know, really, really high IQ kid who knows this playbook inside and out. So I, you're, you're comfortable with him going in, running the offense, and, and you know, getting the checkdowns and, and making the right play. You're, you're comfortable with that. He's done it in the Rose Bowl. I know against Penn State it was a different story, but that was a really tough situation to, to come in uh, in, in that uh, environment. He did it actually pretty well in the, in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. So can't, uh, or Bryson, rather, is a, a kid who's, who's comfortable with the, the situation, right? He'll, he'll come in and run the offense, but there is a ceiling. Right. He doesn't provide you some of the, the dynamic uh, stuff that, that Cam Rising does, maybe getting down the field or or getting out of the pocket and improvising. It's, it's going to be pretty vanilla, if you will. And then with Nate Johnson, uh, he is just a freak athlete, dynamic athlete who he can he can make some throws, but it's, it's more about what he can do in the in the run game. It's more about what he can do in space. And even if Cam is starting, I think because of that, maybe skepticism about how he can move you're going to see Nate Johnson uh in some form or fashion in a in a wildcat fashion or or uh, maybe getting him the ball in 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 space not as the quarterback I, I think he will see Utah try to get Nate Johnson involved whether Cam is out there or not and then yeah with Bryson you know I think he can still run the offense well you'll see Utah run it a lot if he is the starter but he's he's comfortable uh, at least taking snaps but again it'll be a probably an abbreviated playbook if, if he's under center. Porter, you were reading my mind about Nate Johnson. I was thinking with the limitations for Cam Rising, we, we'd see him, well, we might see him anyway. I'm, right. glad you, I'm glad you brought that up there. So uh, continuing on, I know the other big question on offense, tight end Brent Keithy, who just torched Florida last year. I know uh, he's coming off an injury last year as well, happened earlier in the season, so a little bit more recovery time for him. But playing that tight end position probably needs that uh, needs that to heal a little bit better and a little bit faster. So what would be the latest on him as well heading into this big matchup? Right. And he is further along in his recovery, right? I, I think that Brant will, will be out there. Similarly, I think, you know, he may not be out there every down. Um, he's a player who Utah likes to move around, whether it's in the slot or, or sometimes in motion, getting the ball out of the backfield. I don't know that he then try to use him as much as they want to as the season progresses. I think they'll ease him into the offense. And part of that is to do with the depth at tight end. You guys have seen Utah tight end right? with Dalton Kincaid last year, the Yasmin kid who, who surged late in the season uh, last year as well. There's depth there. So they're not going to really force Brandt to, to do too much, but I do think you'll see him. Uh, I think you'll, you'll see the youth try to get him, back to football speed, but it'll be, it'll be here and there, right? It'll be uh, a little bit limited as he has been all camp long. That being said, if, if he gets out there and is productive and is feeling really good, um, they'll, they'll allow him to, to go because he is far enough along uh, in his, his recovery process. But again, I, I think even though this is a, a really exciting non-conference kickoff, they're going to be, cautious and safe with Brant, with Cam, if there's any sort of 
any sort of thought that there's there's a hang up there uh, just just because of this is a kickoff, right? It, it's a long season, and you guys in SEC country know how much depth you really need to to get to December and still be competitive, right? Yeah, Porter. It makes me wonder because you go back to the second half of last year's game, and that's when Keithy was able to hurt Florida the, the most. You saw some halftime adjustments where it'd be a third tight end on the field or an extra offensive lineman on the field. So it makes me wonder, you know, if some of those adjustments that were made last year are not as available as they were this year, just because of the the injury history there. But um, you know, for, for he torched Florida last year. Florida's got some new faces at linebacker, so it would be, uh, you know, in, at safety as well. So if they're going to try and match up versus Keithy, uh, there's still some new faces that's got to do it for Florida. So uh, big, big, big questions there still for covering one of the best, if not the best tight end in the country right there in Brant Keithy. So let's go to the backfield. Porter, Tavion Thomas on his way out, but there seems to be some confidence of a duo, Jaquindon Johnson, Micah Bernard, as a pretty effective one-two punch. Yeah, Jaquindon Jackson, oh, uh, at the it's a running back position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And he he's now in his first full year as a running back. If you guys remember, he was a, a pretty highly touted quarterback recruit, a, yep. a, you know, a, a double threat uh, JUCO kid who I think he was top five in the in the country coming out of the JUCO, and they wanted to turn him into a, a quarterback. But when they had all the injuries at, at the running back position, honestly, uh, a really interesting, crazy few years at, at running back room, including. Uh, a tragedy in the locker room, right, with, with Ty Jordan. Jaquindon surfaced, and Jaquindon was actually a, a friend of Ty Jordan who passed away and stepped into his position and now actually has the scholarship that's named after Ty Jordan uh, as a running back. And I, I think that his talent last year kind of popped off the page, but there was still some intricacies of the position where you could still see he was adjusting, right? He's used to – taking the snap and dropping back and surveying the defense. So it was a little slow developing in some of his, his run game stuff and his, his blitz pickup, right? That's not the case from uh, all accounts up at camp this year. I think you expect to see him uh, progress and, and really be one of the premier running backs in the Pac-12 conference. And then you mentioned the depth there. Makai Bernard is uh, a really dynamic back. He can, he can line up at wide receiver. He can really catch the football, as you saw in the Rose Bowl, um, and is, is a, a little bit of a change of pace back. He can get out to the edge, really dangerous on the outside, which I think is going to be important with this Gators defensive front. Uh, and then you keep going. Honestly, Jalen Glover is a, a pretty uh, highly touted recruit as well, one of the, the bigger running back recruits that Utah has gotten out of Florida. You guys may be uh, familiar with his name. He's third on the yep. depth chart. And then another guy you may be familiar with, Chris Curry, who was a contributor on LSU's national championship team, broke his ankle last year early on after he started to, to really come on. He's fourth on the youth depth chart. So you may see legitimately four running backs with, with carries. And uh, I think they're really comfortable with the depth there. The the question in the backfield is, is definitely about QB1. Right, right. Uh, moving outside, is it, it's Vele, right? Yeah, Devon Bailey. Okay, yeah, making sure I got that last name right. But, hey, second on the team with 55 catches last year behind Kincaid. Certainly seems to be the number one receiver, but where did the Utes go after him? Yeah, man, and this is always the question with Utah. A lot of times they, you know, maybe because of their uh, 
tendency to run the football a lot or have a lot of tight end play. They struggle to get consistent recruits. Every once in a while, you get the Darren Carrington, the transfer out of Oregon. Devon Bailey is one of the only guys that I, that's kind of a homegrown uh, wide receiver one for Utah, and he gives you a lot of those uh, wide receiver one looks, right? He can get down the field. He's, he's a big kid with, with really good, sure hands, but he hasn't necessarily flashed as the true downfield wide receiver one threat yet. I think he has that promise, and I do think you'll you'll see Cam Rising, if he's there, try to get him the ball down the field. But then the Utes looked to the transfer portal for a lot of stuff. They brought in uh, a, a kid named uh, Micah Pittman, who you guys are probably yeah. familiar with as well. A bunch of transfers, a bunch of kids out of Florida, actually, with, with Florida connections here in Utah. Uh, that Dennis Erickson, Urban Meyer pipeline kind of – got going and, and there are a lot of weird uh, connections there that you see a, a lot of names that you guys are pr- probably familiar with. Uh, but then after that, it's young uh, recruits that Utah has kind of capitalized on this three year span of, of Pac-12 titles and Rose Bowls and whatnot. They have gotten some recruits that they're excited about. One is Mikey Matthews, a, a kid who, if you remember Britton Covey, uh, 5'8", 180, but just a really shifty, dynamic kid out of the out of the backfield or uh, as a wide receiver. So I, I think you'll see a lot of him. I, I mentioned uh, Micah Pittman, but it's it's going to be more by committee at the wide receiver position, the tight end position. There's uh, of course three guys in the tight end room, and I think four or five that they're comfortable with uh, trotting out there at wide receiver. Uh, so I think it you know it's going to be more by committee. You'll see a bunch of kids around the 500, 400-yard mark, and, and probably not any uh, at the 1,000-yard mark. And, and that's, frankly, what you usually expect out of an Andy Ludwig, Kyle Whittingham offense. So I've seen it said about this offensive line, maybe the deepest in program history, three returning starters. But something that caught a lot of Gator fans' eyes on the depth chart, true freshman Spencer, is it Fano? Fano? Uh, Fano. Fano. There we go. Yeah. So – these names were going to get me, so I'm, that's, I'm glad we have the, the Utah rep right here. But you guys Lynn, got a few of them, too. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say uh, Prinsley. Prinsley, there we go. You mind me yelling. There we go. But <laughs> uh, Had some practice, of course. But, hey, but a true freshman listed as a starter along the offensive line. So, to me, that screams maybe he's proven it because this is talked about as a deep offensive line group. And if you have a true freshman named right here along the offensive line, maybe he's really impressed enough to, to just earn, have, have earned that in such a young stage. And he has, that's, that's been the, the reports out of camp, right? He is jumping into an offensive line that wasn't a question mark, right? This is a, an offensive line that has a lot of returning talent, a lot of returning starters in, in La Mea and Keaton Bills, you Mocha Fisi, you go across the, the front and they're, they're not hurting for bodies across the front. And so for, for Spencer Fano to be the starter there, um, that just shows that, that he's had a really good showing in the spring, in the summer, in the fall uh, at camp. And, and that should be exciting for youth fans long term. But that still means that he's got to match up with, with the aforementioned Princely uh, in game one before he's ever had a snap of college football. And for me, that's still an X factor. I, I, I'm confident in Spencer Fano's uh, future, his projection, his outlook, but I'm still zeroing in on that matchup for that particular reason because Florida has some some bodies on the offensive uh, or the defensive front rather 
that you just don't see at the high school level. You simply do not see at that level. Um, so yeah, you, you zero in on that matchup for sure, but big picture, the offensive front for Utah is a really solid unit. In fact, probably the, the least questions I have uh, about this team is, is along the offensive front. It'll surprise Florida fans if you, if you look at the starters on each team. Utah's offensive line is actually bigger than Florida's. Even though your guys' roster has some of the biggest humans I've ever seen in my life, Utah's offensive front is, is actually bigger uh, on average uh, than, than Florida's. And they're going to try to use that to their advantage, especially if Cam Rising is not playing or limited. Yeah. That, that battle in the, in the trenches is going to decide this football game. And an X factor, as you mentioned, could very well be that freshman, true freshman, uh, starting at left tackle against some some pretty good pass rushers. Right, Porter Larson joining us right here on Gators Breakdowns. We move to the other side of the ball before we wrap up. And, hey, just talk about how deep the offensive line group is. Well, it's been pretty put out there as well that this defensive line could be the deepest in program history as well. And you go back to last year. Led the Pac-12 in sacks, tackles for loss as well, second in rush defense, but – did give up 6.3 yards of carry to Montreal Johnson last year for the Gators right. offense, 13 yards of carry to Trevor Etienne in his first game last year. I'm sure they're biting at the bullet to, hey, that was that was not what Utah football defensive front is about. We went on to have a pretty good season, but that first game last year really sticks on us. Yeah, I think Utah was like last in the country against the run after week one or so. <laughs> and they ended up top 25 in the country, right? Yeah. So you saw that. That, uh, that, that massive improvement over the course of the year. And you heard Kyle Whittingham, if you, if you listened to his press conference yesterday, first thing he mentioned was the 29 missed tackles against Florida. That's been a point of focus. You can, you can be assured over the course of the last year or so. So, you know, I, I think they'll be more uh, ready for this kickoff because if you go back to last season, it was a lot of true freshmen, a lot of redshirt freshmen, they were making their first starts ever against Florida in the swamp. It was a lot of nerves. It was a lot of missed tackles. Uh, they you go back and watch. They were in position. They, they broke down. And then Anthony Richardson just made them look silly. Uh, you mentioned Montrell Johnson and, and Trevor or, and ETN made them look silly. And I, I think you'll have more success for, from Utah's side just in the tackling department this year. Those guys, Cole Bishop, Especially, he, he really struggled in game one tackling. He's an all-conference player, maybe an All-American in this upcoming season um, at the safety position. So, you know, I think they'll have more success there, but it's still absolutely uh, a talking point and, and one of the X factors in this football game because you mentioned both of those players, ETN and uh, Montrell, come back after five yards per carry last year, not just against Utah. They averaged that over yeah. the course of the entire season one of the only duos in the country to do so. The real question is, though, without Anthony Richardson, right. can Florida maintain a two-dimensional offense? Because that is what Utah keys on. You mentioned the big offensive front. You mentioned the linebacking room. Utah's defense is, is going to be, uh, again, a top 25, maybe even higher unit in the country this year. So the question for Florida is if, like Anthony Richardson did last year, can you stay two-dimensional? And I think it's a bigger question mark with Mertz than it was with, with Anthony. He had a phenomenal game uh, against the Utes on, on that opening day. Right. I mean, you got you had to keep an eye on him no matter what he did. You know, handing off, fake handing off, ha actually handing the ball off. You had to respect the backside there for, 
uh, for, for their offense and just whatever explosion play he may come up with uh, out of the blue. But uh, you mentioned um, kind of we'll go in the back end before I let you go. Clark Phillips, cornerback, uh, he's on his way out. But uh, Zamaya Vaughn in. Uh, right. J- JT is Broughton. Broughton, yep. Yep, uh, and returns. But Miles Battle, uh, SEC name, transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, that kind of gives a pretty good top three there at the cornerback spot for Utah. Yeah, the, the depth at corner is is not really a question. They've also got the the nickel, Tao Johnson, Smith Snowden, a couple of uh, uh, younger underclassmen who they're really, really high on. But again, you mentioned another SEC transfer that you're familiar with in, in Miles Battle. Um, I don't think they have necessarily, at least as of right now, the premier corner like Clark Phillips, a guy that can pretty much cut the field in half and just stick to your star wide receiver. But – they have the depth. They've got four or five guys that they're really comfortable with, at least in coverage. I think it's a um, still to be determined as far as coming up and stopping the run. And I think that that's, again, going to be one of the genuine keys to this football game is, is the defensive backs for Utah coming up to the line of scrimmage and, and making tackles uh, like they were not able to uh, in the kickoff last year. I think that, of course, Clark Phillips being gone is a, a big hole there. But Miles Battle is a is a really really uh, good piece uh, as far as depth goes there. But again, you mentioned Zamaya Vaughn and, and Travis Broughton; those are the two starters on the outside, and Utah's really com- comfortable with both of those guys. Uh, despite some injuries they've had in uh, previous seasons, they've both been kind of borderline All Pac-12 guys. So they're, they're confident on the outside. I think it's it's you know in coverage they're they're good. They're both longer quick corners but coming up the line of scrimmage and, and especially against a team that, that employs uh, Montreal and ETN that's the the question is, is coming up the line of scrimmage and, and making plays there yeah I mean, I'm interested to see because besides Ricky Pearsall Florida is looking for some more proven receivers they're gonna be maybe right. relying on, on a group of true freshmen uh, but you gotta Douglas Douglas yeah. intrigues me a lot, by the way. Yeah. I know yep. he, only, he only played limited last year, but when, when he got his opportunities, he flashed. I think, I think that's, a, that's a player you have to, to, to key on if you're Utah, uh, especially without a, a guy like Clark, just because he, he has that size. Um, but, again, Pearsall is, is kind of the, uh, the, the key, I think, because you're going to try to get him the ball in every situation. Yeah, that's the, the the hope there from the Florida side. Uh, to end this, Cole Bishop is a Sion Vaki. Sioni Vaki. Yep. Sioni Vaki. Oh, I, I was close. I was close. Ninety five percent there on that one. <laughs> uh, hey, those guys on the back end and man, just kind of preview preview magazine a little bit cheat sheet here. Maybe they're, they're maybe best duo in the Pac twelve uh, yeah. w- w- before this season plays out there. But Cole Bishop, of course, really earned his keep last year. Yeah, Cole Bishop, again, I mentioned it. He he struggled against Florida, and every time I've talked to him this offseason, he brings that up because it drove him uh, over the course of last year. And he, he became an all-conference player. Um, he's on NFL radars now. He's, he's going to be one of the best defenders in this conference this year, barring injury or, or, or missing any uh, time. Sione Vaki was a little later in, in his uh, emergence for Utah's defense, but they're really – really comfortable with them. I think the, the only question mark there is how the dynamic works. They're both uh, kind of that physical uh, in the box type safety. Mm-hmm. So which one plays the center field role, the, the free safety type? I don't know how much you'll, you'll actually see that be too much of an issue with, with Mertz in, in Florida. But I think when we, 
we see the matchup with Caleb Williams and, and some of the more, you know, uh, down the field threat uh, teams that, that we see this year, the dynamic of who's the free safety, the, the center fielder versus who's up in the box a little bit more in, in this Utah defense is, is the question there. And then they bring back Nate Ritchie off of a, a church mission who mm-hmm. was similar to Cole Bishop the year before. So they, they've got depth there. Uh, the defensive backfield, I think, for Utah is like it usually is, really strong and, and really deep. All right, Porter. Hey, man, thanks. Going position by position right here to give us a good preview of this game on Thursday night. It's going to be exciting either way. I hope Cam's out there. I'm, uh, I'm hoping for the big-time, big-game vibes, uh, as you said. But I know Utah's got that Pac-12 championship, another one uh, on their minds. So probably won't sacrifice the Florida game uh, for that. But I, I, I hope we see it just for the sake of some really good college football Thursday night. Likewise, man. I mean, both teams at full strength. I, I know that the Gators, thankfully for the injury report, they're pretty <laughs> healthy, right? There's a couple key positions that, that you look at that, that I think uh, um, are, are question marks. But for Utah, I think there is a little bit more of a, a question. Some of those premier players mentioned Keith and Cam. We all want to see healthy healthy teams playing, playing good football. So that is the hope for Thursday. I'm right with you there. And uh, hopefully the reportedly six, seven, maybe more thousand Florida fans that are making the trip from Gainesville uh, enjoy their, their stay here in Salt Lake. Yeah, hopefully so. There's Hurricane throwing a wrench in some travel plans for Gator fans. So hopefully uh, yeah, everybody stays safe. And if they can make the trip, uh, make, still, still, still are able to make that trip. Yeah, and, and yeah. thinking of y'all out there, I mean, that's, that's tough stuff. Also, the, the shooting last night, right? Yeah. There's heavy stuff in, in, uh, in your parts and, and, and thoughts out to, to all of y'all, whether you're making the trip or not. I know uh, um, crazy, crazy stuff down there right now. Porter, thank you so much, man, and thank you once again for joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Porter Larson, ESPN 700, Salt Lake City, Utah. See you later, Porter. Thanks, Dave. Football is back, and so is winning season at my bookie. We have the first full weekend of college football. Go ahead and get your picks in for the NFL as well and a brand-new cash-out system, giving you options to bet and win all season long with my bookie. The first two legs of your parlay hit, well, cash out early. Use those funds for another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Use early cash outs as a tool to stay in control of the action at MyBookie. To get started, go to MyBookie.ag now. Register for a free account. When you make your first deposit, just use promo code GATERS to grab a welcome bonus on the house. That's promo code GATERS to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time, get a free chip to use in the MyBookie Casino. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with our friends at MyBookie. Gators Breakdown is also proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. HelloFresh has been a hit with the family, with football season here. I need all the time I can get. I know you guys are busy out there as well with school back in session, Football season starting for you as well. All the traveling you have coming up, watching Gators break down, and just life in general. HelloFresh wants you to have it all. Free time, easy, and fresh, tasty food. That's why they take care of the meal planning and deliver the ingredients right to your door. So everything you need to whip up a delicious meal arrives right there at your front door. So then cook up a recipe in just 15 minutes or less. Our favorite meal so far, the Beef Flauta Supreme, that smoky red pepper cream, man, that really just set it off, made it my favorite meal. So right now is the time to join. Go to HelloFresh.com. HelloFresh.com slash Gators50. Use code Gators50 for 50% off plus free shipping. 
One more time. HelloFresh.com slash Gators50 to use code Gators50 for 50% off plus free shipping. Get your time back with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, let's get into the breakdown of the game versus Utah, Florida, Utah, opening Thursday night of college football. And guys, I mean, can't hide behind it. Heard the conversation there. So much depends on if Cam Rising, the Utah quarterback, is playing in this game. And if he does play, how limited is he? Hurt Florida, 91 yards on the ground, mostly in the second half of last year, converting first downs for Utah. Uh, And the ability to freelance isn't there whether it's just gaining yards with his legs or just keeping plays alive, Florida defense catches a break there. And Austin Armstrong's first game as defensive coordinator, he catches a break if Cam Rising's out, if Cam Rising's limited. And then as my colleague Will Miles pointed out in his latest at Reed Reaction, you know, Cam Rising isn't the greatest quarterback to just stand in the pocket and pick apart a defense. He needs to be able to move around to be his full potential. Use the simulator pressure. Use the creepers. Confuse him post-snap while he has to sit in the pocket. That should benefit Florida. That should benefit Florida right here. But we know. Cam Rising playing 100% or if he's limited. Either way, for Florida, got to stop that Utah ground game. The run defense needs to be ready. Jaquindon Jackson, I mean, to end last season, 10 carries for 117 yards versus Colorado. 13 for 105 versus USC, and then 13 for 81 against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. So before we say, and and I know, I'll I'll admit it, before we say Colorado and USC are terrible defenses, well, Florida was last year too. And they need to prove again that they are not. Or what happened versus Colorado, what happened versus USC for Jaquindon Jackson could easily happen to Florida again. You know, if not ready for this, when Jackson has shown, he can take advantage of bad defenses. 6'2", 226. Former quarterback, as you heard. He's athletic for his size. You watch for Utah to try and utilize him in the passing game a little bit as well. But with Rising's health questions, Jackson may need to... Probably the player Florida needs to stop the most. Keithy also being limited. I'll throw him in that mix, too. If he's close to 100%, he's still the key guy. But if he's banged up or if he's going to be limited like Porter and maybe, like said, and maybe not playing as many snaps, well, look for Quinton Jackson to be that guy. They got receivers that also need to be counted on in that Utah offense. So Jackson, you know, Florida can maybe stack the box a little bit more with the question of Keithy's help at tight end. With not many proven receivers, can Florida stack the box and prepare to stop Jackson? Would that be, you know, Honestly, you hope Florida doesn't necessarily have to. You hope the front just dominates. You can just kind of do whatever you want to on defense, but that, that's the key player. That's the key player to stop if Cam Rising isn't 100%. And look, he's not going to be 100%. We, we know that. We know that much. Can he play close to it? Where Jackson's not so much of the focal point of the offense? We'll see. I mean, if Rising doesn't play, then I'll be honest, I, I like Florida pretty safe. Bryson Barnes, 13 career games at Utah, earning his first start and win uh, versus Washington State last year when he found out right before the game, unless it was just kind of behind the scenes, but he was only named starter right before that game versus Washington State. Three of his 13 career games have been kind of full of dramatics. Coming into the Rose Bowl in 2021, 
uh, with under 10 minutes to play. Tying Ohio State at 45 with a 15-yard touchdown pass in that game. Uh, like as I said, that Washington State game, only five minutes before kickoff that he'd be the starter. And career high in passing yards, a, a conservative 175, 17 completions, but just learned that he was going to start that game. Utah won that game 21-17 that he started versus Washington State. Uh, and then played the Rose Bowl again this past year when Cam Rising, Cam Rising injured his ACL. He went 10 of 19, passing for 112 yards in the touchdown. Uh, of course, you heard, maybe watch for the very athletic Nate Johnson to get some snaps as well. But if it's not Rising, I'd be really disappointed if Florida finds a way to lose this game. Well, I won't say finds a way to lose this game. There's, well, there's plenty of questions for Florida to not necessarily stamp, but I'd be disappointed. I'd be disappointed if Cam Rising doesn't play and Florida still loses this game. Let's turn it around. Let's go to the other side. For the Florida offense, hey, let's shout out to Seth Barnador. His article up at GatorsBreakdown.com this past week, scheming with Seth. And there's a quote I wanted to go in there about some stats that he found that should make some Florida fans feel pretty good about the style of play Florida's going to bring to the table and how it matches up versus Utah. Seth says, defensively, the Utes are well-coached and tough. They aren't particularly particularly explosive. I believe that Utah has been built to bully the Pac-12, but that roster construction doesn't work as well outside of the conference. Utah hasn't beaten a Power 5 team at a conference since the 2017 Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl versus West Virginia. Against Pac-12 teams since 2017, Utah gives up an average of 3.5 yards per rush, 3.55 yards per rush. That would be 25th, top 25, nationally most seasons. Against non-conference Power 5 teams, Utah allows 4.8 yards per rush. That would rank around 100th in most years. In their last four Power 5 out-of-conference games, Utah is allowing 6.24 yards per rush. Florida's not in the Pac-12. We saw what Florida did last year. Can they do it again? There's a trend. Says they can. Seth goes on to say, it may be a result of a small sample size, but it certainly seems like Utah's run defense is vulnerable outside of the Pac-12. I mean, so we know Florida and the questions, a retooled offensive line, how much does that affect Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne? I mean, those stats speak so well for the Florida backs. I mean, they gave up, Utah gave up 6.3 yards of carry to Montreal Johnson a year ago, almost 13 yards of carry to Trevor Etienne. And as a duo, Johnson, Etienne averaged 5.7 yards per carry and 120 yards per game. We know the capability these two guys have. That retooled offensive line going against a talented, deep Utah defensive front. And they're more experienced than they were a year ago. You had a lot of young guys playing in that game. You heard Porter and I talk, but the key stat, key stat here for Utah and how much experience they bring back up front. So maybe they turn their trend around of Utah's 154 defensive starts last season. Freshmen or sophomores on the team accounted for 107 of them, 69%. Players accounting for 85 of those 107 underclassmen starts are back on defense for the 2023 season. 85 of 107 underclassmen starts are back. A testament to that depth, nine different defensive linemen had at least one sack for Utah in 2022. 
Players accounting for nearly 75% of the line's total tackle for loss return in 23. So 75% of their tackles for loss return. So what does that mean? You know, does that returning production turn around their fortunes outside of Pac-12 play? We'll see. But what, but what this tells me is if Florida goes out there and does again what they did last year to this Utah defense, and this Utah defense is, you heard Porter and I talk, you see the stats, you hear the stats, they're supposed to be more talented, more experienced, and deeper up front. If Florida does that again, speaks really well for where this offensive line is to start the season, and of course where ETN and Johnson can go and produce even higher than what they did last year. But that Florida run game, of course, you want it to be there. Make life easier for the quarterback, Graham Mertz. How much will Florida have to rely on him? That, that's the question I have. If, if Utah does come out with this improved and experienced front, more is on Graham Mertz's shoulders in his first start for the Gators. Utah, they're going to want to stop the run, of course. Does that open up the passing game for Florida? Do they have to stack the box to stop Florida's run game, leaving a whole lot of one-on-one opportunities? Or are they going to see with this experienced front that they have, they can get by with it and make Graham Mertz try and pick them apart a little bit? Can the passing game actually set up the run game, or will it need to? That's my question for Florida's offense. Will it need to? Hopefully the running game is just there, and everything is just flowing through the run game. And Graham Mertz... As we know, excels off of play action. Maybe he's doing it once again. A lot more at Florida than he would be at Wisconsin. So ideally, the run game will be there anyway. Just make it easier for Mertz. In the pass versus good defenses that pressure a good bit, Mertz struggles. Heard all camp that you know he's excelling in that short to intermediate range, throwing the ball well in, the, in that part of the field. So hopefully with that, he has enough time to throw. And then when they choose to go deep, he that he has the time. But if Florida's going to live in that short to intermediate range, if Utah's going to pressure, if Utah's going to blitz, maybe Florida Graham Mertz make him pay there. Or, you know, hopefully making it easier, dump off to the running backs, dump off to the receivers, um, design plays to get playmakers the ball. Explosive plays happening, you know, in more run after the catch and not the 50, 60 yard pass down the field. I think if we're going to see explosive plays for Florida, it'll be mostly in that regard. Maybe all season, but specifically in this game. I mean, I, I want to and maybe even have to see where this offense is with the downfield shots before I feel comfortable saying that it's there and explosive plays are coming from that instead of the catch-and-run types. Now, last year, a whole lot different for this Florida offense. It was the bombs down the field. I think this year it's a little bit different. I think we'll see it game one. It's the dump-off variety. It's the get-the-ball-in-the-playmaker's hands variety. It's a five, seven-yard slant. Hopefully somebody breaks the tackle when he's off to the races. If they can't break those big plays like that, how limited is the offense as far as the passing game goes? That's what I'll be looking for. You know, it's hard to kind of say, this is the first time, first game. Hard to say what we will see. So there's so many more questions of what we're sitting at now. So, but my question is, how limited will Florida be if they can't hit explosives in the short and intermediate? They can't break the tackles to turn into explosive plays. Are the big plays down the field and we just haven't really heard or seen it yet? Maybe that's the case. And hopefully in some ways it is. But I think given what we've heard so far this fall camp and his receivers and grammars, that short to intermediate range, and if the big plays are going to happen, probably in the run game, and then some breaking tackles, 
making a move, and then off to the races. And Florida was able to hit some big passes last year on Utah. A lot of Anthony Richardson's legs there being, of course, but Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne had some nice runs. Uh, but Utah, hey, man, they struggled, struggled with big plays. So you, maybe the big plays are just there. They struggled with them all last season. Maybe that, maybe that trend continues. Last year, they were good for 90th in yards per play was Utah. Had some fortunes. Will Miles does a really good job of it, um, pointing out in his article, but really fortunate to keep the scores as low as they did, giving up that many yards per play. Very opportunistic defense with turnovers and red zone performance. So if that defensive front for Utah, if that experience doesn't pay off, and they got a retooled back end, look for explosive plays the Florida Gators may have. All right. Here we go. Prediction time. Little little tough here. Florida going to Utah, of course. Utah hasn't lost at home in a non-COVID year since September 2018. Non-COVID year. They haven't lost since 2018. Florida is 8-13 and all-time in true road season openers, including a 6-4 and mark in the last 10 dating back to 1956. We know Florida does not play on the road. True road games to start the seasons all too often. It's been so long, early 90s versus Syracuse. We know all the storylines there. Florida's schedule's hard enough. You know, since they really getting into all that, but Utah plays really, really well at home. Now, I do think Florida has an advantage a little bit by playing Utah last year. They're not changing a whole lot of what they do. Cam rising in or out, it doesn't really matter. Now, if he plays, you played against him last year. You prepared against him last year. Now, I know you got a new defensive coordinator. Austin Armstrong comes in, but there's a lot of staff. There's a lot of prep for this Utah offense that will bleed over into this year. A lot of prep into that Utah defense that will bleed over to this year. It works the other way, too. But for Florida, with the change at quarterback, I think what we've been hearing about these young wide receivers there's a little difference in the passing game and how it will be used for Florida. Now, Utah doesn't have to worry about Anthony Richardson in the surprise place, so maybe it's advantage Utah, and maybe it's a more predictable Florida offense. So that's the cat and mouse game I, I, I'm going with a little bit of. I think Florida's a little more familiar with what Utah's going to bring to the table than what Utah's familiar with with Florida because of the change at quarterback, but because of that change at quarterback, it maybe makes the Florida offense a little more predictable. But with Florida involving the use of the wide receivers, the young wide receivers, I think some big plays happen there. The defensive personnel being used differently. Yes, it's the same scheme, but we know Austin Armstrong is going to has his own little flavor on this defense. I think you know that, that's going to help Florida. That's going to help Florida right here. But I think with all the personnel changes, kind of an element of surprise for Florida and how they're going to use some of that personnel. There'll be some same tendencies or different tendencies within the same scheme. That's where I'll go with that one. So with all that said, all that said, here we go. I'm going with or without Cam Rising, a Gator win. I'm going to say he plays 27-24 Florida. I'm going, going to Gators to start the season off with a victory. Picked them last year versus Utah. Wasn't a whole lot of confidence there. It's like a 51-49% confidence level. I'm going like 60-40 here, Florida. I've met, for whatever reason, feel a little bit better this year. 
Um, this Utah team, pretty good. I think some of the injury concerns, uh, I think, really bleed over into my line of thinking here. I don't think Cam Rising will be Cam Rising. Not saying Florida couldn't win the game anyway. Uh, but I do think the little injury to him, not being 100% Cam Rising, does play a part uh, in, in this and really helps Florida uh, right there in the end get out of Salt Lake City on a Thursday night with a victory over Utah. 27-24 Gators. All right, there we go. Everybody, if you want to leave your predictions right there in the comments, let me know what you think. Uh, let me know if I'm way off base, I'm sure, for the orange and blue. Maybe not off too off base for Utah fans that may be listening to it. I'm sure you'll disagree uh, with me. Uh, I can certainly see Utah winning this game. <laughs> not, not what I mean. Not, you know, not, uh, hopefully not a sign of disrespect here. Uh, but um, I'll admit there's some orange and blue glasses going on right here. Uh, as well, but you know, getting a little higher about this Florida team, and we'll see what it means for game one uh, right here for Florida versus Utah. 27-24 Gators is my prediction. Everybody leave your predictions if you want to right there in the comments section. So, all right, to end this episode, let's hear the progress of Florida's lead NIL venture, Florida Victorious. Nate Barbera, the CEO, joins me right here on Gators Breakdown. And here we are kicking off the season with Florida victorious as well. Big week, game week with Utah. Hey, first season Florida victorious has been the lead NIL. You know, f- football season, we finally get uh, you know, the NIL on the right path. And then, look, it's been started with Florida victorious. And I'm excited to see these guys, the team, be on board for a full football season. They Nate Barbera joins me, CEO of Florida Victorious. And Nate, I mean, I know we got to see it the spring game. We got to see the banners and the graphics all up. But now we get to see it with 90,000 fans in the stadium with all the beautiful Florida Victorious graphics as well. Almost game time, baby. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be an awesome season. We're just yeah, uh, they- we're pumped. Yeah, we, I mean, I, we are too. We are too. And to be able to spread the message even more for, for Florida Victorious. And as I said, now we get to do it in front of the, the 90,000 fans uh, of the Swamp, uh, what, seven times this year, I think it is. So uh, it's, it's going it's to be, it's gonna be exciting uh, for, for you. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I know we, we talked back in the spring when you guys had launched, and, but now you get the, uh, we, get, we, we get a full force for the next few months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we're, we're excited. We've got a lot of cool events, a lot of cool things coming up. We've got the tailgates on the Gator Walk. We've got events before the Tennessee game. After the Tennessee game, we've got games for the Arkansas or, uh, events before the Arkansas game uh, and more to come. We've got stuff in the works for homecoming. So we're, we're going to be out in the uh, uh, in the crowds. We're going to be out with Gator Nation uh, trying to build support for Florida Victorious and Gator student athletes throughout the football season. So, uh, as you know, it can't happen without the support of all of Gator Nation. And so it's our job to to educate and to show people what we're doing and why we're doing it. Yeah, as I said, you know, the first the first big go around was the spring game. And I can, you know, I said there was the first time I met Nate in person uh, right there, right after he had joined Gators Breakdown. So we were getting the word to Florida Victorious and, hey, that was a lot of fun, uh, guys. So as he said, stop by the tent right there by the Gator Wall. But there were basketball players, football players, gymnastics, softball, baseball, I mean, all that good stuff uh, right there. And we'll be doing it again uh, throughout the fall. But Nate, uh, Kind of take us back to that spring game uh, a bit, and maybe since then as well, just the the notoriety and the growth of this NIL venture of Florida Victorious and University of Florida. Yeah, well, it's been a, a whirlwind last four months or so. So we launched 
right before the spring game, we had an awesome tailgate during the spring, right before the spring game, um, had an awesome experience that, uh, that Thursday and uh, have been hitting it hard ever since. We've got a great team that's working really hard to build exciting events and opportunities for people to get involved. Uh, some benefits for people to get to know Gator fans and get to know the person inside the mask, the person inside the helmet, uh, which is what Florida Victorious is all about. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've got a cool slate going here this fall, uh, but we've just had awesome support so far. We've been uh, very fortunate to have Gator Nation really rally behind Florida Victorious. We have a long, long way to go, uh, but we've come a long way since launch. Uh, and, you know, the reality is the more people understand what NIL is, the more people see that Florida Victorious and the Florida Victorious Foundation are doing it in a way that can make Gator fans proud, the better we are. We've just had more and more buy-in as we've continued to educate and share the word about Florida Victorious. Man, we, uh, NIL is here. And the moral of the story is if we want to win, which I know all Gator fans do, including myself, we need to have a strong NIL program and we can't have it without the support of all of Gator Nation. So that's what this is about. You want to win? Let's do it. Absolutely. Remember, everybody out there, you can join. Go to FloridaVictorious.com. You get 20% off your first month using promo code GatorsBD. And that's been a big hit there. And, um, and, Nate, let's go back. Let's talk about some of these opportunities for the fan base, some of the features that they get to take advantage of. And you and I were talking before we recorded here, and it wouldn't that look. I'm sure the little deal there helped, but something neat. It was kind of a. I know Billy Napier was was really behind it too, but Florida had an open practice on a Saturday, and hey, there was a Florida Victorious fan day right after the open practice. You see the players on the field, you see Florida Victorious members on the field. I mean, you and I were talking. I was like, man, that, that really blew up. I, th- I think we have something on our hands here for, for, for years down the road of all right, this is one of the best ways to express what NIL can do at Florida, what it's about at Florida, and you're know, kind of a starting jumping off point for you know, maybe getting to know these players a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the open practice and then the autograph session afterwards was a huge success. Uh, we had over 150 new members sign up just to be a part of that. Um, it's a cool opportunity for folks to spend time and get to know, again, the guy inside the mask, the guy inside the helmet. Um, we're so proud of the of Gator student-athletes, man. They work so hard on and off the field. And, uh, and when people get to know who they are, get to see them for who they are, um, and get to, uh, to talk with them, to learn a little bit about their background, to, to get autographs and interact with them a little bit after a practice, that was really priceless. And, you know, we've gotten very positive reviews and we'll have more, uh, more like that going into the future. We're planning to make that an annual event, as I know Coach Napier mentioned in his press, in his press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to do that every single year. It's a great way for people to get to know Gators, uh, Gator student athletes. And we're going to, uh, we're going to continue to do more creative ways to, uh, to engage with fans and give them benefits that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, I think the week of the Tennessee game is the social on the Friday night before the Tennessee game, and then the night before the Arkansas game is, and I took part in this last year for the Utah game. We got together at Condren Ballpark uh, there for the baseball at the baseball stadium and got together the night before uh, the Utah game last year. It'll be before the Arkansas game this year. So there's the opportunities coming up in the in the coming months as well. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we've got uh, the night before the the Tennessee game at the Swamp. We're going to be having a a party, a kickoff event, um, and then uh, the night before the Arkansas game, we'll have that an event at the Diamond Deck at Condren Ballpark. And then we should not forget to mention that for the 96 club members, we'll be having our 96 club annual event on the Sunday brunch following uh, the Tennessee victory. We're going to win and then we're going to celebrate it at brunch and uh, at the 96 club annual party at Spurrier's on the, on the visors rooftop uh, with the old, with the head ball coach and a bunch of the members of the 96 team, they'll all be there. So if you want to be part of that event, you want to celebrate our victory over the, over the Vols, uh, come join the 96 club and, uh, and have a blast spending time with, with Gator greats and helping us get back to the greatness that we saw in 1996 team. Yeah, Nate, you mentioned a 96 club right there. I mean, look, you even get a 96, a 96 club polo, a visor, uh, with, the, with the logo designed by the Gator great James Bates. And as you said, you know, that annual event uh, at Spurrier's Gridiron Grill as well. $96 a month gets you all that access uh, right, right there. But, you know, you just, Nate, while we're here, you know, kind of go through some of the other uh, benefits uh, of being a, a Florida Victorious member from the Gator great to the Gator insider, Gator legend. I mean, there's many, many ways to support and join uh, the Florida, Florida Victorious right here. Absolutely. Look, um, part of our goal is to create something for everybody. So uh, depending on your level and your ability, we just need everyone to be part of this. Uh, we're not asking anyone to stretch beyond what they can do. Uh, we've got levels from $15 a month up to $250 a month. We've got options for businesses to support Gator student athletes and work with them to raise awareness for their brands. And then we've got a nonprofit option, the Florida Victorious Foundation. If you want to donate and get a tax deduction for Gators to go help charities in our community, help raise awareness for them and help them uh, continue their really meaningful work. Where the benefits for a $15 a month member include access to all of these events that we just talked about, as well as um, insider access and content that you can't find anywhere else on our website uh, up to $250 a month where you get the 96 club membership. Plus you get a monthly chalk talk call with a Gator coach every single month. You get to spend time with a different Gator coach in a small group setting in a zoom call where you can talk to them, get their feedback on their teams and learn about what they're doing. So some really cool uh, access that you can't get anywhere else. That's uh uh, anywhere from 15 to 250 dollars a month one more time guys 20 percent off your first month as well promo code gators bd gets you all that great content right there from florida victorious uh nate I, you know, I did mention when we first got together it was back in the spring what's been the reception so far i mean we don't have to get into dollar signs unless you really want to or, or whatever but uh you know what's what was it man what's the growth been like ever ever since that 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 spring and maybe the notoriety and and um you know i think even you maybe even being noticed a little bit more because nate's yeah. out there right here on gators breakdown other podcasts as well i mean i really like what well, you know what you know the growth and the at least the access to i mean not only just um, you know, the money going into it and, and, and players now being able to, to benefit off their NIL with all the hard work they put in, but speaking of that hard work, I mean, we see it on social media all the time. These, these student athletes are out there, uh, and whether it be charity events or you know, just 
doing good. I mean, you know, it doesn't even have to be an event. They're just making the event themselves, actually. Uh, there's just been a lot of growth and a lot of access uh, to these student athletes. Yeah, look, we've just we've had a very positive reaction since we've launched. As you know, we were around as a in the precursor organization since June of 2022. Uh, but really, by, from from the launch publicly till now, we've just seen a massive acceleration in support. Everybody now understands who we are, what we're doing, and the more times we are able to communicate what Florida Victorious is, why we exist, and the difference we're making. Uh, the better we're doing, right? So it's just about keeping our name out there, helping people understand that Florida Victorious is around to help student athletes earn compensation for the use of their name, image, and likeness, uh, and and it ultimately help the Gators win. That's what this is all about. And the more we're able to raise awareness, the better we've been doing. And uh, you know, through support like yours and through others, we've been able to really uh, start to change the tide. I think. Uh, NIL there's, is, uh, is uh, in large part about education. For the last how many years, you were never able to compensate a student athlete for anything, much less the use of their name, image, and likeness. And so that was a sea change. We're only two years into NIL from June of 2021 to now. And so there's still a lot of people who need to understand what it is, why we're doing it, and why it's important. And the more we can do that, the more we can educate, the better we are. And so it's, it's on its way. It's rolling. We're getting momentum. We have a long way to go, uh, but we're, we're grinders, man. We're going to keep on working. I've got a great team, we have a phenomenal group of people that we're working with. Uh, and, uh, and we're just working very hard every day to gain and to keep the trust of, uh, of Gator Nation. That I'll be here to help along the way as well. And as I, I see the look, I even got to hang out with some of the players too. Some of the Florida Victorious videos that are out there, you know, I've got to play a hand in some of those. And you know, just to be around these student athletes, uh, that's been an, an adventure in, in in itself of just seeing how mature they are and how you know appreciative of everything uh, that, that they're doing and what they're doing out there in the community. It really touches them, and in turn touches touches me as well of like you know, how much they actually care for the opportunities that Florida Victorious is providing out there. So, Nate, to kind of end this thing, you know, what has been the feedback from the player, from the, the staff, and, and the administration of the partnership with Florida Victorious? I think the feedback is it's working. I mean, we are, we've built on the foundation side a really positive model to, uh, to impact communities, to make positive change in Gainesville and around Gainesville. Uh, we're seeing an uptick in engagement with our charity partners and their social media accounts. We're seeing our student athletes go back to places without us encouraging them. They're going on their own. Just last week, the Ronald McDonald house had the unveiling of their new house, which added something like 20 rooms to what their previous capacity was. They're able to impact 20 more families who are going through difficult times in treatments at the, uh, at the children's hospital. And, um, and we had Justice Boone, who we all know had a, had a very unfortunate uh, season-ending injury. And, uh, but he went out of his way, crutches and all, went to the event because he was one of the guys who spends a lot of time at the Ronald McDonald House. And he wanted to be there for the ribbon cutting to, su to support the Ronald McDonald House. I mean, talk about a good guy. He's mm -hmm. gone through tough times and he's gone out of his way to help somebody else and to make somebody else better. Uh, that's, uh, it's pretty special when we get to see things like that. That's the impact that we're hoping to have on the student athletes. 
We're also seeing the impact on the charities themselves. And, and honestly, I'm enjoying it and our team is getting touched by it. When we see this type of positive change, um, it makes an impact all around and it's just been very rewarding to see. Absolutely. Justice was a player I got to hang out with uh, as well. So uh, yeah, heartbreak a little bit when, when he yeah. went down with that injury. But as you said, Lord, right? we're going to yeah. support him. He's going to come back stronger. Right? <laughs> there we go. There we go. Talk about coming back stronger. Hopefully the Gators are coming back stronger as a team this year too, Nate, uh, right there. Are, are you are you ready for some football, man? I oh, mean, wait, man, wait, I can't wait. wait. We do a lot of talking. We do a lot of listening, a lot of reading. You know, we're getting we're getting hyped. Uh, but we just – I cannot wait to see the kickoff and watch our Gators romp all over those Utes. I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a better season than I think all those pundits are saying. We're uh, I'm really excited. To, uh, to get the season underway and cheer on our Gators. Same here, same here. Nate, man, I can't wait to see you in Gainesville for all these home games uh, and, and right there at that Florida Victorious tent. Everybody, one more time, go to the website, floridavictorious.com. You get a good deal using code GatorsBD. Uh, 20% off your first month right there. Nate, man, I can't thank you enough for joining me right here on Gators Breakdown and everything you're doing right here for NIL with Florida Victorious. And, and thank you, Dave, for all that you've done to help Florida Victorious be successful um, in front of and behind the camera. And we really appreciate all the work. And uh, look, at the end of the day, it takes all of Gator Nation, right? That's what it's all about. Oh, yeah. It takes everyone using their talents, their time, uh, and their resources in whatever way they can to help us be successful. It's not one person. It's certainly not me. It takes all of us to win. And we do that, and we're going to have – some awesome, awesome football seasons and basketball seasons and baseball seasons and softball seasons and gymnastic seasons in the future. The more successful we are, the more successful our teams will be and we'll all have a heck of a lot more fun. So let's, uh, let's root, on our, root on our Gators, uh, support Florida Victorious, help us help them win. Uh, go Gators. Go Gators.